Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to Manifestation Therapy, your trusted source for wisdom on the universal principles and the transformative magic integrating manifestation with the people that you support. I'm your host, Judy, and I'm thrilled to embark on this enlightening journey with you. In every episode, we'll unravel the timeless secrets of the universe, explore the art of conscious creation, and dive deep into Manifestation Therapy's incredible potential. Whether you're a seasoned practitioner or just starting your quest for a more abundant and fulfilling life for yourself and your clients, this podcast will support your growth, inspiration, and empowerment. So let's ignite the power within, align our thoughts with the energy we desire, and be our best potential. Welcome to Manifestation Therapies Podcast. Hello, hello. So today we're going to talk about anchor. I know it's kind of flipping away from the universal principles, but we will get back to those next week. Um, I did a blog post about uh, some bullying that was happening in my family, well, to to my stepson. And then um, I thought I would follow up with just what anger is, the messaging that it has. And it's pretty important to understand our emotions in order to know when we're working with others, the messages that our emotions are sending and the energy that they can have. So everyone has an opinion about anger. It's an emotion that is portrayed in our social structures as dark, scary, powerful, strong. So when people get angry uh, publicly, it's advertised with revenge, justice, some shame, mental illness, grief. So I want you to think about anger and what it means to you. Just kind of feel what happens in your body when you think about it. Who do you picture when you think of anger? Um, Who do you picture that's famous when you think of anger? Or a character? Or who taught you about anger? Did you have angry parents? Are you angry? Uh, Even panic attacks can come out as short bursts of anger. But what is anger exactly? Anger is an emotion that our brains process in the limbic system in the amygdala, which is a cluster of um, neurons in the the subcortical brain. So it's not our thinking. It's not our impulse control. It's the opposite. It's the back of the brain, um, and it's directly connected to our bodies, to our nervous system. If the amygdala becomes activated. If the limbic system becomes activated with emotion, it sends a response to our body that is instantaneous. So we don't think about how we're going to smile when we're happy or if we're going to cry. Tears just come. When we're angry, it also is instantaneous. So we might tense up or clench our fists or clench our jaws, right? Um, People with a lot of anger often have uh, jaw issues, shoulder pain. Um, they may find that they're constantly stressed. Their cardiovascular system might be off. They might have autoimmune issues. Basically, anger can put a lot of stress on the body if it's not processed and felt. Uh, people can become easily triggered, especially if they have a history with trauma or maladaptive coping strategies. Impulse control sometimes goes way offline when anger is activated and an individual is triggered. Anger seems to be an easier go-to emotion because it's not one that people think of as being vulnerable and weak. It's the opposite. Anger occurs because um, we often feel one of our values has been disrespected. 
So to go back to the amygdala, it's often referred to as the reptilian brain. It's the oldest part of our functioning brain. So it's how we survive when there's threat. The amygdala is located in the limbic system of the brain, and it's initiated when there's a threat. So it helps us survive. Uh, like most emotions, anger doesn't just occur in our brain. As I've said, it's connected to our body as much as it is the brain. There is no separation. When anger happens, the brain releases neurotransmitters known as, I may say this wrong, but catecholamines, which support the momentary release of energy. So it's believed that this burst of energy that happens drives the protective action that happens behind anger. So for an example, if an individual's heart rate accelerates, their blood pressure goes up, their breath rate starts to go really fast, um, they then prepare for the physical actions of having increased flow of blood within their body. So these responses guide them in order to be able to focus on a target. So whoever they're angry at, or if someone's in their way, they get angry at that individual uh, with an additional adrenaline and nor adrenaline being released from these neurotransmitters, and it creates a longer state of arousal. So they're able to fight, basically, or be aggressive. We need to think of the amygdala as the place in the brain that controls emotion, and the prefrontal cortex or our thinking brain as a place that handles judgment. So to be in control and to respond to our anger as opposed to reacting without, without any impulse control, we need to be able to connect the two so that we can have proper judgment and feel our emotions. The brain needs to kind of function in a balance between the prefrontal cortex and the subcortical um, part of the brain. The balance is possible. It's possible through developing mindfulness and relaxation techniques and cognitive control techniques. It allows us to begin to experience our anger and respond with it with judgment and rational decision making and logic rather than emotional reaction. So it gives us that wise mind, as they call it, intellectual behavioral therapy. What triggers anger? So in simple terms, anger, the message that it sends us is that something is important to us, like a value, and it has been disrespected or invalidated in some way. Uh, other possible triggers for anger might be interference, which is deliberate, whether it's a person, an object, a, uh, you know, a, a pet, an animal. When interference towards a goal occurs, our anger, anger is a natural response. So we're trying to get something done, someone gets in our way, we may explode. Injustice is another trigger for anger, and that's where a value has been completely ignored, stepped on, abused. Uh, protective anger jumps up when uh, we want to protect someone that we love or value or ourselves. A safety is threatened, either physically or even psychologically. At times, anger can also be reciprocated. So if someone gets angry at us, we get angry at them because our safety has been um, threatened. Uh, anger can also be triggered if our value of self is threatened. So someone betrays us, abandons us, or we perceive that abandonment, or we perceive rejection, we might get angry then. As well, if we observe someone disrespecting a law, cultural rule, or value we hold through social acceptance, it can trigger anger. My husband is very angry lately about what is going 
on over in the Middle East. Okay, we're not talking about that though. As mentioned, anger is flipped on when an individual has one of their values disrespected. Anger can also become escalated frustration. Frustration is the lack of control over something we are at risk of losing or a situation. Think of road rage, okay? So it's a popular form of anger. A lot of people experience road rage. And that's because nobody can see you doing it. There's no empathy to at risk or no uh, risk of people seeing you breaking protocol. But getting cut off? How can that person act as if they're more important? Why are they more entitled? Why is their time more important? They have disrespected our value of equality, our sense of worth. Having another person ride on your bumper? Mm, I, I hate this too. I also sometimes experience a little bit of road rage. But they are threatening your safety if they're on your bumper. It's scary, right? Maybe you shout at the person who is going too slow, interfering with your time frame and reaching your destination. Or you're watching someone red, run a red light. And uh, that is injustice. They're breaking the cultural norm. Road rage occurs because individuals have basically disrespected values like the rules of the road, protocols of transitions, or even others acting in a way that makes them seem like they're better than us. They're more entitled. If anger is simply an emotional response to the disrespect of a value, then it is just another temporary felt emotion. If anger is allowed to become chronic, it becomes a source of persistent stress. Prolonged exposure to these elevated stress hormones contribute to health issues, cardiovascular problems, like I said before, autoimmune issues, um, anxiety, sleep patterns, all this can happen with uh, unreleased anger or uh, anger being held for a long time. So I want you to think about that again for a moment. The messaging of anger. It, the messaging is that one of our values is being ignored or disrespected. Men are taught that if their values are ignored or disrespected and they become enraged, they are threatening and powerful. Women, on the other hand, we are taught from an early age, and I'm generalizing, but mostly, on the other hand, we're taught that if our values are disrespected, then we are not to show our anger that the only way we can become angry is if we use it with our intelligence, that we learn to respond with it. If we do become angry, well, then we're considered pretty crazy and foolish. We lose our intelligence. We lose our respect even further if we become angry. In fact, look at all the Karens out there. But what does that say about the values that we hold as women? When we think of anger, who comes to mind? Let's generalize for a minute. Again, sorry. But male kids are often taught not to show their anger with others through their words or threats or violence. They're taught to release their anger through aggression, like smashing things and fighting, martial arts and sports or action. Angry men are thought to have unreleased tension that they are acting on, as if it's just some sort of pressure valve that needs to be given attention. They need to go to anger management because although it is acceptable that they have anger, they just need to learn to control it in appropriate ways. And here's a big one. 
If a man is angry and hurts a woman, especially a male boy, often it's he likes her or she shouldn't have done something to get him angry. Can you believe that? We're actually perpetuating that the girl is doing something wrong and gets hurt because of the boy's anger because he can't control it because of her actions. Then think about Marvel Comics. I don't, I'm not really a big Marvel fan, but I do remember the Incredible Hulk. Even his name, Incredible. He's talked about as being incredible. He's a hero and he is the epitome of anger. He has so much ongoing anger and he can't control it that he becomes one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. His tagline is even the matter Hulk gets, the stronger Hulk gets. He has been a prominent figure of the Marvel comics and has appeared in various comic series, television shows, and movies. And he is Dr. Bruce Banner, a highly intelligent scientist. Brilliant. Um, and then female children in comparison are taught anger is only acceptably displayed in social context. It's disrespectful to show our anger. Uh, we're thought of as being too crazy, remember? Manipulative. Social media refers to angry women as Karens, as I said, and as children, they are shown that girls display frustration when they are mentally confused or reacting from jealousy. Mothers are depicted as having anger and frustration towards their children when they lose control. Although I will say as a mother, this definitely happens at times. Why is it that fathers are shown to be acting in anger through strength and protective factors, but women, it's losing control? That's just a little of the gender norms and the issues that happen with emotions and the messages that we get from it. But continuing with the Marvel theme, think of Elektra. She's a character who seeks vengeance with her rage. Her morals are questionable and her uncontrolled anger is directed by motivation for her own struggles. In addition, there's now the character of the She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters, who rather than becoming destructive with her anger and strong, is portrayed as controlling it with intelligence and wit to use it to her advantage, and basically so she doesn't look crazy. So why is it that males are shown a character who is a hero with destructive yet somehow acceptable strength to anger, but females are shown that if their anger is released, it is for morally questionable reasons? Another one to consider? Shrek. Shrek is this huge, green, ugly ogre who is consistently frustrated or angry about something. Yet, he's also the hero. The female counterpart is Fiona, and she must hide away her ugliness ogre side because she is supposed to be a beautiful princess. Even when she does release her ogre and accept that side of herself, she uses it with wit and logic at most times. If Shrek... Um, so... Although Disney and childhood viewing have shifted from Donald Duck's constant frustration and anger into portraying emotions through movies like Brave and Inside Out, it still continues to portray males with powerful strength and anger and females with confusion and morality when anger is uncontrolled. And I'm guilty as a mother myself. When my daughters are freaking out having a temper tantrum, I'm the first to tell them to try to calm down. But what if society in general continues to support this socialize, socialization of anger as dark and powerful? 
especially for males. Uh, well, females are intentionally taught that we are to suppress our anger, only to show it through language and intelligence. Well, I have seen some healthy portrayals of anger in some shows um, and in the modern classrooms of today. And when we think of released anger, quite often the emotion that is attached is discomfort. If we could change that script, if we could allow anger to happen in a healthy way, not, you know, to explode, but just to allow ourselves to be angry, to identify our angry, maybe it wouldn't be as scary or intimidating to some. Maybe it wouldn't mean that there's something wrong with us as women when it happens. And maybe men would stop thinking that when they explode, it's powerful and strong, but just an overreaction. Anger, like everything else, is just an emotion. It's only temporary. It's only energy in motion. And it resonates with whatever is happening. It is just an escalation that happens when we have a felt value being ignored and disrespected. It's another emotion to feel, identify, process, release. What if we all learn to just sit back and feel our anger, identify it, allow it, release it, breathe through our emotions, recognize where it is in our bodies, when it surfaces, focus on it, but not react to it. What if we could all do this? How powerful would we become? Anger is an emotional energy and it often transforms sometimes into sadness and then shifts from there into acceptance. It's an energy that can motivate. One of the universal principles is uh, the law of perpetual transformation, that energy can shift and change. It's always in motion. As stated with the law of vibration, energy, all emotion, even anger, is not to be attached to fear and resistance. It's just what sends us the message that we need to process. Consider the best way to respond when you feel angry. There's all sorts of exercises that work. Sometimes anger requires a voice. We need to vocalize how we are feeling, what we value, what we feel has been injustice, or that we need to be heard. Sometimes it requires our own self-awareness and radical acceptance to move forward. So attempt to embrace anger when it surfaces and see where this embracement leads you. Just try it out. Anger can be a, such a good motivator. It can teach us what our values are, what we need, what we, what we can accept, and who we want to be. Anger can drive us forward into our best potential. If we just learn to allow it, to process it, to release it, rather than to force it down or have it escalate and control our behaviors. So be angry. See where it takes you. Be your best potential.